You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What are you, an astronaut? No way, Mom. I'm, I'm some kind of bubble boy. And welcome. You are locked on to the NBA. My name is Nick Engstead, host of the Locked On Mavericks podcast. And joining me, as always, the great Ben Golliver, back home from the bubble from the Washington Post. Ben Golliver, how's home feeling right now? Oh, it feels really, really good, man. It was a little bit dicey, you know, flying cross country, going through the Orlando airport. Um, you know, well, just kind of a sketchy feeling the way that they uh, maybe approached the coronavirus pandemic compared to how we were, you know, very strictly living inside the bubble. But I made it home in one piece. And it seems like everybody here is wearing masks pretty tightly and, and staying distance and all that good stuff. So it feels great to be back home. It, it also feels great to just catch a breath after a really long three month stretch. And it was a really fun ending to that finals, too. I mean, the celebration uh, afterwards kind of exceeded my expectations. So I think the bubble went out on a high note. Yeah, you went from maybe the safest place on earth, like even more safe than the White House, to, you know, walking outside in Florida, which is one of the most like <laughs> lawless states right now. And I live in it. I know that. Uh, at least you went through the Orlando airport and not the Sanford airport, but we don't have to talk about that right now. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Today on the podcast, I will talk to Ben Golliver about his experience in the bubble, talk about stuff that maybe he hasn't been able to talk about yet, uh, some of the ins and outs. But first, we want to get to some things that will translate next year. Some crazy stuff happened in the in the NBA bubble. Uh, ben was there for all of it. Ben, how many days were you in the NBA bubble from start to finish, right? 93, 93. Yeah, there was, uh, in terms of the independent media members, there was only a handful, maybe five, who weren't affiliated with the television networks that stayed the whole time. A lot of other people kind of uh, hopped in and hopped out. So um, I was glad that I made it to the end. Uh, there wasn't any really harrowing moments, I'd say. It was a pretty kind of a, a calm and, and steady ride for me. But uh, certainly when uh, they finished things off the other night in, in game six, it felt like the last day of school. I mean, it was just a really <laughs> incredible celebration for them. They were obviously happy to win the title the Lakers were. But I think for everybody – just this huge sigh of relief and this anticipation of, of being able to go home. Uh, it was, uh, you know, probably the most fun post-game celebration I've been a part of covering hmm. 10, uh, 10 NBA Finals. Without the the fans, and, and before we get to the, the stuff we're going to talk about today, I noticed that the kind of atmosphere for the Lakers celebration was not much different than if they had actually won in Miami, right? It's, there usually is some fans that hang around. There would be some Lakers fans, obviously, but... Uh, it's not. It didn't seem to me, at least on TV, any different than like if you had won the finals in, you know, an away arena. Well, it was funny because on the court, it was actually I was getting nervous because it was pretty boring. They didn't have Bill Russell there to present that trophy. Adam Silver was presenting the Larry O'Brien trophy, but he he obviously hadn't been in the bubble for the whole time, so that was a little bit different. Um, same deal. Jeannie Bus is going up there there to accept it, but she hadn't been in the bubble the whole time. And of course, the arena is mostly empty. So there's there's families and they're celebrating, but it's not this overwhelming kind of crowd sensation. So, you know, when Frank Vogel is getting up there and going, woo, you're just thinking, <laughs> oh, boy, and this is what kind of like everybody thought was like the worst case scenario of like the most depressing celebration. But they made up for it in the locker room. And it's funny because, mm. uh, you know, from a coronavirus protocol standpoint, we were never allowed in the locker rooms, obviously. Right. That would be, you know, completely against any regulation because of the 
in closed space and trying to keep the players safe. But the players, I think that they felt a sort of camaraderie with everybody else who was in the bubble. So they kept just running out of the locker room, spraying all the reporters <laughs> with champagne, got absolutely destroyed by LeBron. He uh, he got us really, really good. Oh, nice. And, you know, Danny Green was doing the same thing. And they were going out around and kind of spraying everybody there, staffers and, and all that good stuff. So, uh, you know, I'm sure you saw the videos of LeBron chomping on the cigar and you know, <laughs> FaceTiming his mom. And it was just a really extended, uh, fun celebration. Then afterwards, they all went back to the same restaurant that they had really been spending a lot of time out having team breakfast at over the course of the previous months. And I was actually in my room writing probably until 3 or 4 a.m. that morning. And I could hear their post-game celebration at the restaurant because it's only a few hundred yards away. So a very unique experience. I mean, you know, typically after a team wins the uh, the finals, they're hopping on a plane and they're going somewhere to party. And in this case, uh, you know, they actually held the party like right near the media zone so we could kind of hear uh, all the music and all the, uh, the exhilaration, the exuberation uh, from the Lakers. That's incredible. That's a, that's a memory you'll take forever. Uh, so you're sitting there and hearing their celebration, and you hear LeBron go like, "Oh, I'm so glad that Kawhi choked." Right? Is that like you're hearing something like that? Over this? Um, no, no, but I I do think like in the post game celebration, like it was a uh, you know it's a very intimate environment the entire way through, right? And so you know we're actually in a position where we could hear LeBron call his mom on Facetime and have yeah. this. Uh, you know, the memorable mama, mama uh, <laughs> conversation. And then, you know, just basically saying that he was there trying to make her proud. And, yeah. um, you know, her, her saying, of course, you know, what are you even talking about? Of course, I'm proud of you. And I just think, uh, you know, those kinds of personal details you don't always get during a, a, a title celebration. And I think, um, you know, just everybody being kind of cloistered in the same spot down there in the bubble kind of facilitated those interactions, I guess, from the media standpoint. Do you think LeBron James's mom gives him his damn respect? Oh, I would, I would certainly assume so. I mean, she's, she sounded like on the other end of the call, like his number one fan. It was an interesting line from LeBron, wasn't it? Uh, oh, this yeah. idea that I think he's probably heard criticism not only of the whole Wash King thing, which, which he made a whole point of pushing back against all season long, but I think it was also the political stuff too. You know, all of his mm. advocacy really brought a lot of people out of the woodwork and, you know, taking lots of personal and sometimes cheap shots at him. I think that, you know, once he, he finished the job, took home the finals MVP, won the title, it didn't totally surprise me that he wanted to, you know, jab back a little bit at people. But it was an interesting message that, uh, you know, uh, usually it's a celebration. And, and in that situation, it was more of him kind of, uh, you know, stating what was on his mind a little bit and sending a message rather than just uh, soaking it all in. Yeah, and I'm sure there's lots and lots of shows that will talk about that at length, but we're not going to get into that too much on this show. Uh, let's get into, I want to play a game with you. So I'm going to list two things. You're going to tell me which is more likely to happen next year. So these are some big bubble moments, a big bubble, you know, certain storylines that, that translated throughout and some that will, you know, translate to next season, whatever next season looks like. We're assuming it looks a little bit more like normal than a bubble style, but pick one of these, Ben Golliver. Jamal Murray will be this good or Russell Westbrook will be that bad, which is more likely to happen. Can I say both? I mean, I think that, uh, well, look, I actually think um, Westbrook will look better once he has fully recovered and had time to get back in shape after the coronavirus. And I think his leg was really bothering him during those playoffs. Um, is he headed for a situation with the rest of his career where he's no longer the same guy he was a couple of years ago? I think that's very possible, but I actually think that some of the most likely things to carry over 
are the younger players who took the leap. So I would put Jamal Murray in that category. And I would also put Tyler Hero in that category Mm. of guys who, you know, they almost came back like they had another year under their belt because they had spent so much time training during the hiatus. And I think a lot of that success is going to translate. I think Jamal Murray has a real shot to be an all-star for the first time next season. There's just something about the shot making in the bubble, though. And I don't know, you had to have seen this, though. It just seemed like guys were on such a different level. And I wonder if that's going to translate as well, you know, in a non-bubble type environment where there are fans and maybe the, you know, courtside, like, you know, photographers are still there and they can't get their running starts that they got in the bubble. I'm just so interested to see what Jamal Murray's going to look like because we've seen him in the regular season. I mean, even this past year, people were questioning, is he worth that huge contract? And then he plays, you know, the games he does in the bubble and all of a sudden he's, oh yeah, absolutely. You know, top 25 player, all that. Look, he's made very steady progress throughout his career. I'm not predicting that he's going to be shooting like 50% on threes all of next season. <laughs> yeah, right. That's, I'm, I'm not making that prediction at all. But I just I think that he is going to, uh, you know, he definitely just climbed up like maybe two tiers on the point guard pecking order during this bubble. He went from being that like kind of inconsistent sometimes star to, you know, an every night type of star. And if you're saying like, who would you rather have next year for the season, Jamal Murray or Russell Westbrook? I'm taking Jamal Murray for the whole season. And, uh, you know, to me, that's not something we would have said before the bubble. Coming up, I want to get into some more of these questions. Which team that was supposed to go to the title will lose in the second round again? Better record next year between a couple of Western Conference potential playoff teams. We're going to talk about all that with Ben Goliver coming up. But before we do, one reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money. So then you can use it for other important things, mortgage, food, all that kind of stuff. Super important. Why would you want to choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership? Just as an example, a fuel pump for a Honda Odyssey is over $350 at advance, which is a big chain store, one of those. And it's only 216 bucks at rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts to customers on online for 20 years go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers they have everything that you need for example the fuel pump they have tail lights they have motor oil new carpet all that kind of stuff best of all prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers why would you want to spend that much more that i mentioned earlier for the same exact kind of part go to rockauto.com right now see all the parts available for your car or truck and write in locked on in there how did you hear about us box so they know that we at the locked on podcast network sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com all right ben another question for you pick one that will be the most likely next year the bucks will lose in the second round again or the clippers will lose in the second round again I think sadly it's the Bucks. I mean, they don't change coach. They're going to bring back a lot of the same cast we would expect. Um, you know, they get this kind of soft commitment from ownership of, oh, you're going to spend the luxury tax. And to me, that's just like too little, too late. If I'm Giannis, uh, I think he's obviously saying the right things right now, but they just completely blew it with the Malcolm Brogdon uh, situation. So to me, I think the Clippers are more likely to be able to, you know, benefit from another year together maybe make some tweaks. If I were them, I would probably move on from Lou Williams. I think that that uh, experience has run its course. I would try like heck to keep Montrez Harrell um, if at all possible. But uh, to me, I think the Clippers will be back. It's a natural overreaction when a team flames out like that. And when they part ways with a longtime coach to think, oh, these guys are going a, a totally different direction, but they still have an awful lot of talent. Those top two guys are still really good. And, uh, you know, to me, I, I think, uh, you know, their ownership, is willing to invest whatever it takes to, to produce a winner. So from that standpoint, I think it's uh, more likely that uh, 
the Clippers advance and the Bucks. Yeah, and the Eastern Conference is not getting any easier, right? I mean, the Celtics aren't going anywhere. The Raptors aren't going anywhere. You have the Nets. They're going to kind of come out of nowhere. We're all expecting it, but we think they're going to be, you know, this powerhouse next year. The Heat are probably not going anywhere. They're going to make, you know, a couple moves on the periphery maybe, but it's going to be tough. Again, the Sixers will hopefully be back with Doc Rivers as their coach. Uh, It's not going to get any easier for the Bucs. And for the, the Clippers, you know, there's sort of the same, you know, like uh, usual suspects, right? The Lakers will be there. The Rockets will be there. The Nuggets will be there. The Mavericks are rising. The um, Blazers, maybe if they're they're you know not as injured this next year, they'll be back. The Jazz, and I think they can handle a lot of those teams. And so I I, I agree with you. I think that the Bucks are more likely to lose in a second round. Uh, better record next year between some of these you know bubble darlings, uh, the play in game Grizzlies or the eight and bubble Suns. Which team will have a better record? Oh, man, that's a really, really good question. Um, you know, I think the Suns probably, uh, you know, their record was just slightly inflated. I mean, they caught a bunch of teams that weren't expecting them and, and maybe had some guys injured. I'm a big-time believer uh, in John Moran. I mean, I think those two teams are going to be really, really close. I guess I, I would give the slight edge to the Suns just because they've um, they've now honed a core together and they were able to get, uh, you know, a, a nice step forward from DeAndre Ayton during the bubble. So, I think they're just a little bit further ahead in the um, in the growth and age category, so I'll, I'll give it to them. But I couldn't be higher on John Moran. I mean, I think that's another guy who took a big step forward in the bubble for, compared to his rookie year, where I think that's going to absolutely translate, and he's going to take another big step forward during next regular season. He's another guy I think you have to have in the mix as an all-star in the Western Conference as well. Man, that's so interesting. And they're really not that – you know, different record wise, I guess that the eight and run for the Suns kind of inflates that, like you mentioned, but the Suns are also going to add a top 10 pick this year and, you know, number 10 pick, and maybe they package that and, you know, get somebody else in there. But yeah, Monty Williams really had those guys playing and I was really impressed with the Suns. Devin Booker seems like he's, you know, ready to actually win games. <laughs> so hopefully they, you know, do that. But both those teams are gonna be super fun to watch next year. Uh, I think I would take the Grizzlies though. I think that they, they found something. And I think that they're, uh, a little more established in the regular season, but we will see next year. I love it. Well, if they're going to get there, it's going to be because of Jaron. You know, I mean, Jaron's mm. going to have to take another leap, stay on the court, stay out of foul trouble, and be that like rock solid number two guy. Because I just think like you know, their three through maybe ten is a little bit more questionable to me right now than Phoenix's. So um, if they're going to deliver on your expectations, I think you know, put that on Jaron's shoulder, and that's possible. I mean, that guy is so freaking young. He's shown a lot of progress already, um, you know, during his NBA career. So, uh, you know, I think both fan bases have plenty of reasons to be like looking forward to uh, next season whenever it does start. Speaking of Jaron Jackson Jr., the next question for you: Pick one of these two, and know that I am the host of Locked On Mavericks, and please, please uh, take that into account. Uh, who will become a West All Star first, Jaron Jackson Jr. or Kristaps Porzingis? So what's the deal with Porzingis's health right now? Can you can you give me the update on that? He had surgery on a meniscus tear. Uh, on Lockdown Mavericks, we had Brian Sutterer. He's a doctor, and he talked to me all about it, and he seemed pretty encouraged about it that he'll be able to, to come back and um, and all and be a hundred percent. So it's, it was a meniscus tear. It's not in the ACL knee. Um, good. I would say then Porzingis, and I think that the only reason why I think it's going to be one of those halo effects where like maybe two years from now. Luke will have the Mavericks as like a top two seed and it'll just be like, you know, mm. they're so good that you get the second player in just kind of as a default. Because, the Middleton uh, one. You know, they were, yeah, yeah, exactly. Whereas I think with the the Grizzlies, again, they're so young. Jaw is going to be first in line for all the credit there. 
I think long term, which player do I like better? Jaron for sure. Um, but I think Porzingis has got like a three or four year head start on him. And then, you know, the Mavericks are poised to win really big pretty soon. You know, I, I think they're going to be I'm not sure they're a contender in uh, 2021, but right around 2022, I think you're starting to talk about them as being like a leading team in the Western Conference. Oh, yeah. Right when Giannis decides to uh, to head south, I think that's about that's about when yeah. they'll be contending. Yeah. <laughs> you want that big Adriatic team up, the Adriatic All-Stars between Porzingis, Doncic, and, and uh, Giannis. That's what you're dreaming about. I can see it already. I'm in. Sorry, Bucks fans. Locked on Mavs. Are, we're ready for that. We're driving the train on the Giannis to Dallas <laughs> to, to talk. So I would avoid Locked on Mavs if you're a Bucks fan right now. Uh, which is more likely? The Heat will repeat as Eastern Conference champs or the Nets will overtake them as Eastern Conference champs next year? Oh, that's a good one because I'm not really buying either one of those. Um, yeah, no, look, I mean, it's really d- difficult for Miami to do this again. I mean, because first of all, they're going to be targeted by everybody next season. Second of all, they got the absolute best possible play from Jimmy Butler. Um, if there's a slight regression there, it's, it would be no surprise. I think that they can expect better things from Bam, better things from Hero, better things from Robinson. But I think Dragic is an open question mark, um, you know, in terms of like what happens there and, you know, at, at his age. So I don't view them really as like defending favorites in the East at all. I mean, I actually I think I would have Boston over them, uh, you know, as the most likely team to to win the conference if it's not Milwaukee. I think Milwaukee will probably get uh, a lot of grandfathered love uh, because of of Giannis and you know their overall track record of, of regular season success. But uh, you know, I, I think I would have Boston and Milwaukee as the top tier. Um, so I'll go ahead and take Brooklyn. I mean, look, I'm not very confident about that. Um, you know, I think Kyrie Irving is the ultimate X factor in the league, uh, but they also have a lot of pieces. That they can make some moves here and, and shake things up big time if they wanted to to make a deal this offseason. And then you got to have a lot of respect for for Kevin Durant as well. I mean, even if he comes back and he's 90 percent after all this time off, I mean, that's still a really, really good impact player, especially in the Eastern Conference. I think if any guy is going to come back from an injury like that, it's Kevin Durant. He's just such – he doesn't need the speed. He doesn't need the – you know, like he's he's not like shifty, right? He's just – he just kind of goes through. He's kind of like Kyle Anderson in a way, right? Like slow-mo, does his thing, but always gets to his spot, always gets to his shot off uh, and gets his shot off. So I, I think Kevin Durant will come back. I'm, I'm feeling the Nets next year. I'm, I'm ready for that team with Steve Nash at the helm to be, you know, an Eastern Conference champ. I want to see them play the Warriors in the finals. Wouldn't that be great? Just that – you know, that rivalry between those two. It would be pretty wild, but I, I worry if they're going to be paper tigers, like if they're going to be one mm. of those teams that looks better in theory, maybe like a little bit like the Sixers, you know, like we, we came in last year and thought, man, these guys are loaded. And then they get out on, on the court and you're just like, wait a minute, why did we like these guys again? <laughs> I just really worry about their chemistry, their personalities uh, and Kyrie's influence. And, you know, maybe he can prove a lot of people wrong. It's definitely possible, but uh, I still want to see it first. What better day to fold our paper tigers than like three days after the season ended? So that's that's (laughs) what we're going to do today. Um, Worst record in the West next year. I'll give you five teams. Timberwolves, Kings, Spurs, Pelicans, or Thunder? Man, as much as I hate to say, I'm worried it's going to be the Timberwolves. um, Because I just don't trust any of their defensive pieces. They're going to have a young uh, number one pick who they're going to have to play a lot of minutes. I'm pretty out on D'Angelo Russell and, you know, having your core built around him in talents like that sounds awesome on offense or at least pretty good on offense. I just worry about the defensive side of things, um, you know, quite a bit. I mean, I, I'm 
I don't. There's a bunch of teams in there I don't love. I definitely think the Pelicans will be better than the the bottom of the conference. But uh, who's your answer? Man, the Thunder are are sneaking in there as a team that if they make some moves. I was talking to Ryland Styles, Locked On Thunder on on Locked On Mavs the other day about. It seems like everybody's up for sale for the Thunder. They're already going in a rebuilding direction. Billy Donovan decided to leave because he didn't want to rebuild again with them. And so I think that's kind of your dark horse. But all these teams are, are, I mean, solid. They have all-stars on a lot of these teams. And so it's really interesting to see who's going to be the the worst in the West next year. Somebody will have a major injury and end up becoming that team. But uh, the Kings are right there. I mean, they were a team that were like the Grizzlies last year, the year before, that they were you know sneaking up into a playoff spot, and then they kind of – Stunk again last year, but there's uh, Timberwolves and then Thunder, I think, are the, the two teams in line for that. Yeah, I mean, look, if they just do a fire sale on Chris Paul and they don't try to get a lot of talent back, then possibly. I mean, I, I'm not sure that's necessarily Sam Presti's way, though. You know, I think he likes to spin the assets and try to give the fans still something to um, to cheer for. The Spurs are an interesting option here. Um, you know, things could get pretty dark there. It's not impossible that that happens, so I, w- I would put them in that mix, too. Yeah, which is wild. They have DeRozan and Aldridge, and but it can it can go that way. Um, all right, let's do this next one before we move on. Again, I'm the host of Locked On Mavericks. Please take that into account when you answer this. Most likely to be the next MVP: Luka Doncic, Jason Tatum, Joel Embiid. Well, not Joel Embiid. I mean, come <laughs> on. Like <laughs> we're talking about the most valuable player, right? I mean, come uh, on. No. His stock uh, is so low right now; it's wild to me. He's like, he's just Shaq waiting to emerge, and he—I don't know what's what's going on with him, man. It's like all that yeah. talk from the TNT guys just gets to him because it's the yeah. exact stuff that they talk about. They're usually not right on stuff like that, but they're totally right on him. Uh, I think so, and I mean, he's acknowledged how much the game has changed and how difficult it is for uh, a player like him to have, like you know, big time, big time impact uh, when you're his size and you're trying to move up and down, you're trying to defend in space and all that. Like, if you're saying which kind of a prototype big would you rather have for next season, Anthony Davis or Joel Embiid, it's such an easy answer, right? I mean, there's no question. So, um, you know, for me, I would say Luca. I think Luca's got a really uh, strong chance to be MVP next year. He's so likable. The voters will fall in love with him. He's got so many highlight-level plays. He's going to put up the numbers. He might average a triple-double. He proved that he can lead a team to uh, postseason success. Um, he, he showed a little bit of, of uh, better play in the clutch during the playoffs than he did during the regular season. And uh, he's just insanely popular. And, and all those things kind of matter uh, when we're talking about uh, you know MVP. Just to be completely honest, I just wanted you to say good things about Luca for a minute. So I decided that's why I decided to throw that question. No, completely transparent move. (laughs) I I saw exactly what you're doing, but you don't have to twist my arm when it's Luca. It's like, okay, it's like ask someone if they go to the ice cream shop, like, how good does it taste? Like, you're going to be there for a while, right? They could probably talk for 45 minutes about it. Oh, man. More likely to win, uh, more likely to win MVP. James Harden wins another one. Kawhi Leonard wins a first one. Oh, man. Um, (laughs) I don't I don't see James Harden win an MVP next year just because of their circumstances. I guess Kawhi. I mean, he wasn't that far away this year, honestly. He just didn't have the buzz. Um, so maybe if everybody gets bored of the other candidates and they're just rock solid, they're the number one seed in the West, which is possible. I could see it. Um, I wouldn't bet on it, but I think it's more likely than Harden. I think at this point, Harden had his run as, you know, getting credit for his stats. I think that with the postseason, um, you know, hiccups, I think voters are going to hold that against him. And, you know, uh, I think Houston in general is going to be in for a tough season with new coach, uh, you know, Westbrook question mark in terms of his impact. 
And then what do you do inside? They've got to find a big man. They cannot go in with the super small ball approach next year and expect to win. So they've got some uh, they got some roster work to do for sure. Yeah, I'm thinking that the, the Clippers are going to take the approach of, well, we just totally got embarrassed. We need to come out, you know, like a storm next year and take this take this league. Maybe they'll have the same approach they had last year. Well, they'll just wait to turn on the switch. But I think they're going to come in and say, all right, let's let's get the number one seed. Let's go out there and actually play together. And maybe that works for them. Kawhi gets the MVP. But there's also some weird like voter fatigue for James Harden, it feels like. It seems like his kind of play is is uh you know it's overdone at this point we've seen it so many times and how many times can this guy average 35 points a game i mean right it just seems like that's what it's like for james harden right now oh yeah i totally agree on that i mean i like unless he averaged 40 points a night i don't think he's going to be able to win mvp based on his numbers you know it would have to be about team success i just don't think they're going to be good enough to to get into that top one or two seed in the west All right, coming up, I want to ask Ben about his personal experience in the bubble. Some questions hopefully he hasn't been asked before uh, about the bubble, memorable moments, things like that. We're going to talk about all that coming up. But before we do, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, and the Built Bars are better improved and even more deliciouser than they were before they have 18 incredible flavors six new ones that you may not have tried the first go round: caramel brownie cookies and cream cherry barcia lemon almond cheesecake carrot cake apple almond crisp the bars are healthy they're low calorie low sugar high protein high fiber great for a keto diet for example the peanut butter bar which is a really good one 19 grams of protein 180 calories five grams of sugar, five grams of net carbs. They're absolutely incredible bars. They also have this new product called Built Go. I'll throw that in as an extra. The uh, Built Go is an incredible product that is Built Bar on the go along with caffeine. Go check that out while you're on BuiltBar.com. And go to BuiltBar.com using the promo code LOCKDOWN. You'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKDOWN for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, Ben, I want to ask you some questions about your time. You're almost nearly 100 days in the bubble. I mean, that's an insane amount of time. Uh, who's the most interesting person you saw in the bubble? Maybe a non-NBA type player or a non-NBA person where you go, wait, I didn't know that guy was in the bubble or this person was in the bubble. Um, well, I think the the most interesting interview I had along those lines was, was with referee Scott Foster, who's kind of this notorious referee, such a stickler. <laughs> He's so old school. He's always calling fouls on... Uh, star players and getting the fans mad and he's not a stick his nose in there and everything else. I mean, he's probably one of the most polarizing referees out there. And for him to just show up and start this pickleball obsession with all these other referees and media members and, uh, you know, even some players and coaches got in on it. It was just crazy to see the subculture that this one guy who just happens to love pickleball was able to start. And he's power ranking his teammates, you know, his other referees (laughs) He's uh, going on the record with me in a story talking, you know, just really, really cocky, saying how he's the best player and nobody else is even close. Oh, of course uh, he you is. Know, he, was t- he was telling me that he would eject himself. Like he, <laughs> he gets so worked up during pickleball games that he would eject himself because he's that crazy. Um, I just never saw that side of him coming in a million years. And just for him to be so open about it and to just totally own it, I loved it. It just reminded me, like in the bubble, you kind of have to be yourself, right? There's nowhere to hide. Mm. Um, you know, you, you are who you are. And I think he just leaned all the way into it. And I really respected that and appreciated it. <laughs> so now, now you have a soft spot for Scott Foster. So he, that's how he, that's how he does it. Just one media person at a time. He's going to, he's going to be able to get the fouls <laughs> off that he wants. Oh man. Well, yeah, look, I'm not, I'm not going to stand up and defend like the quick fouls that were called on Anthony Davis in game Ooh. three of the finals that were, uh, you know, rolling a lot of people's eyes in, in that situation. But 
no, I just think that the bubble reminded you that everyone associated with the NBA, including the players, but also the referees and the executives and everybody else, they're all humans, right? I mean, I saw Adam Silver go for a jog around the lap, you know, no security <laughs> de- detail, oh, just wow, him, funny. you know, and like, here I am uh, going for my daily walk and there goes the commissioner jogging right by me. So, uh, you know, things like that, you're just never going to get in a normal environment, a non-bubble environment. And I think that that's one of the biggest takeaways from this whole thing. You know, I wrote this for an essay in the, in the Washington Post, but you know, there's a lot of ways if you're famous and rich, you can put up walls, right? You can have the sunglasses, you can have the tinted windows, you can have a gated community, you can have security. Uh, you know, you can even dress so fancy that it kind of keeps people at arm's length, right? Um, none of those things were really possible in the bubble. Like I said, you had to be who you were. It was a very casual um, kind of camaraderie type environment. And uh, I don't think it's ever going to be the same. I think as soon as we get back into the arenas, it's going to go right back to how it was previously. Mm. And I, I think, unfortunately, that's a little bit sad. I just imagine that that story of Adam Silver like running past you in the in the circle, like the Captain America thing from I think it was Endgame or one of the one of the one of the uh, Avengers movies where he's like on your left, and then you're like running, and then he just goes <laughs> around the circle again on your left. <laughs> that's what yeah, I imagine. That's, <laughs> that's about right. Um, but you know, it was a wide enough road, so we'd have to worry about it too much but yeah no like you're getting the vibe for sure (laughs) uh i don't know if i've seen anybody really talk about this or have an answer for this maybe you do uh what was the deal with how wet the courts were it just seemed like everyone was slipping all the time and a lot of us you know fans were getting nervous for some of these players i didn't get a great uh answer to that i mean some people wondered like was it warm in the arena it was actually pretty darn cold um in the arenas they cranked up the ac a lot um and the courts seemed like kind of normal courts, so I, I don't have a good answer for that. I did notice it as well. It was very slippery. Lots of guys had issues. Um, and, you know, it could have been a climate factor, um, you know, just being in, in Central humid. Florida. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's extremely humid here, especially right now. Uh, they had towel They had towel people, right, like attendants to, to wipe down the floors. For sure, yeah. The ball boys were running out there all the time, wiping stuff up, mopping it up as much as possible, and and trying to avoid, uh, you know, the kind of injuries type situations that you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. That was just a, a weird thing for me that I was, I was watching. Um, would you do it again? If, if they were like next season, we're going to have to do a similar bubble type thing, hundred days. Would you sign up for it again? Yes. Yeah. No question. Um, I mean, just, I mean, basically on the premise that I don't have a lot else going on in my life, you know, it's like, <laughs> I think I would have had crazy FOMO if I stayed at home. Mm. Um, I think it was challenging, but at least I know I would be in for, you know, having done it once, I think it gives you a level of confidence to do it again. Now, if they called next week and said, it's time to time to hop in, that one would be tough, right? Like it'd be nice to get a little break before they do it. Um, but yeah, for me personally, I would be absolutely interested in it because it was just a phenomenal reporting experience. Like it, it was just different. It was unique. I think I've called it, you know, kind of the, the most challenging, most rewarding assignment I've ever had. And it was not really a close second. Um, you know, even like the long summer league uh, environment, it's it's not nearly comparable to what we were dealing with. So for me, absolutely. Yeah, summer leagues like it, it's not that long, but you, you have 115 degree heat. You can wa- you walk outside, and so you're almost like stuck inside <laughs> in the same kind of way. Um, do you miss anything from the bubble? Now being home for a couple of days, is there anything from the bubble? You're like, man, I miss that. You know drink place or I miss that kind of thing. Do I miss the camaraderie or is there anything you actually miss or is it all like, I'm glad I'm home now. Um, 
I mean, I'm, I'm going to start missing the basketball here pretty soon. I think right now it hasn't totally sunk in, but I mean, I watched a lot of basketball. I saw every single game from the start of the second round on. And so not having that anticipation and that uh, adrenaline rush, you know, I'm going to start to, you know, get a little bit mopey here pretty soon for sure. <laughs> um, I missed the free sparkling water. We had like an unlimited supply of sparkling water, uh, which was pretty awesome. Uh, you know, beyond that, uh, you know, not a ton to, to be honest. Uh, you know, I, I have life pretty good here living in LA. You know, I like my, my place a lot and, um, you know, I'm right by the ocean. I like the, the West coast LA climate better than the, the climate in Orlando. I guess the other obvious answer would be the daily coronavirus testing. You know, it was, uh, mm-hmm. it provided a real peace of mind. Um, it made me f- feel like healthier and safer really than at almost any point in my entire life. And, you know, leaving and just realizing, like, I don't know at any given moment if I have it, if I don't, um, I can, you know, do a little temperature check if I want and, and check my pulse oxygen and all that stuff. But, um, you know, certainly th- it was a better feeling having answers than not having answers. So I would say that's uh, definitely something I'll miss. Interesting. There you go. That's Ben Golliver. He's home from the bubble. Go ahead and tweet him and say, welcome home. Uh, guys, we will be back tomorrow on Lockdown NBA. You can subscribe to Lockdown Mavericks wherever you get your podcast. Isaac and I will be going over all kinds of trade talk, free agency talk. We'll be doing our draft profile soon. And you can find Ben Golliver. We'll put a link in the description of the podcast for his uh, Washington Post stuff as well as his Twitter. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Lockdown NBA. Lockdown NBA.